Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Hope you guys are doing all right. Uh, we got a tie ball game going on right now. 2-2 White Sox and Minnesota. Um, yeah, so uh, Johnny Cueto's out there still um, after throwing his body around and getting some stuff done. Um, it's pitching pretty well tonight other than the little wall scraper. But then again, same thing could be said for the... Minnesota Club. My name is Ian Eskridge, and we are here with White Sox Daily Live. I am here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, you know, uh, about as well as could be. We are uh, witnessing the final homestand and the final three games of uh, the White Sox 2022 season as we speak. Uh, and I think it's fitting that uh, it this this homestand starts on the uh the news of uh mr tlr making his uh retirement official so uh you know the funeral for the uh, 2022 season's underway and you know it's just one of those things where uh you know you can point the blame at a lot of different places why this season went the way it was but uh you know him walking out the door after this uh, most disappointing of years is uh, probably the most fitting end of this year. So, yeah, you can Anywho, even say that he's uh, jogging out. You could say that absolutely. There he is, the TLR <laughs> turkey trot for you guys running across your screen. But uh, yeah, man, uh, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, oh, look at you! Yeah, that's a little. <laughs> Um, I'm doing all right, you know, uh, keeping busy. And uh, I got to say, uh, the news today, you know, is one of those things where everybody was kind of holding their breath, uh, waiting to see whether the announcement was actually going to be made or whether there was, uh, you know, false information out there. But uh, via a press release and then a corresponding um, little... Uh, Press announcement where they uh, did a little uh, little meet and greet and answered some questions and whatever. Uh, they did indeed come out and make the announcement that Mr. Tony Larusa has retired, and we will not be sitting through the final year of that contract. And uh, uh, you know, I knew that. I was not looking forward to next year if he came back. And, I, you know, I, no matter what anybody said, if he had come back next year, uh, I mean, it would have been just a, a, a funeral parade, I think, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, it. we talked about this a little last week about how the uh, the TLR stands are still out there for whatever excuse they're using right now. Um, But, uh, you know, they still exist. And there's more of them out there than I could even possibly imagine, you know, and I really don't know why. But uh, they do exist, and I feel like there'd probably be a little bit of a split in, you know, White Sox fandom, knowing that. But uh, I got to think that at this point now, the – the numbers have to be leaning more heavily towards, you know, 
thanks, but no thanks. You know, you gave it your best, but wasn't good enough. So time for you to go. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, it's it, it, there's nothing that suggested he needed to come back next year, even if you are a stand. You know, uh, you can point at underperformance of players. You can point at injuries. You can point at a lot of different things, but none of it says, hey, you know what? Tony La Russa did the best he could with what he was handed because, you know, I, I got to say, if you didn't see some of the atrocious and absolutely ridiculous moves this guy has made in his two-year tenure as a White Sox manager, you weren't paying attention. You weren't watching the same baseball I was, uh, and it was pretty obvious that, the game had passed them by. So here we are. Uh, the funeral begins today. Or, you know, if you're on the other side of the fence, maybe the celebration begins today. I don't really know. Oh, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I mean, from the, from the things that you saw on Twitter, there is a, uh, there, there is a celebration going on. I mean, regardless of the state of the White Sox currently, which we know, is not in a good spot. Um, everybody, for the most part, was is pretty thrilled. Uh, Grimtall says he is. I was kind of disappointed that he had to explain that his health didn't deter his managing. Was he explaining away falling asleep in the dugout? Yeah, if you if nobody happened to catch that, uh, that's listening or watching, uh, he happened to mention that at no point did his health issues cause. Any of the perform uh, any of the performance issues, which uh, you know, I can't dispute. I think that uh, you know, from what we saw last year before the pacemaker got put in, uh, that the same silly, weird decision, you know, un- indefensible weird calls, did not change from year to year. So I can't say that anything that happened would oh. have oh. you know caused caused the issues that happened this year. Uh White Sox up three to two. AJ Pollock just comes in from second base to score on a uh, nice nice hit by uh Carlos Perez. Possibly yes, the young. future of the catching position for the White Sox. We'll see. Yeah, young up and coming catcher. Uh always good to see a catcher putting a bat on the ball, especially after the last couple of seasons there. Uh, you know, Sox know have mean. struggled. Sox have struggled in that department. You know, uh, you got to love Yasmani Grandal for what he puts out there on the field. You know, he he goes and he puts everything that he's got out there, but the body's just uh, the body's not doing him any justice at the moment. You know, and uh, the the uh, largest contract in White Sox history that we were hoping to get that same player that he had been in the few seasons before that didn't turn out, but uh, yeah, Carlos Perez, if anybody of you, if any of you have been paying attention to white Sox daily on the, uh, the Twitter verse at all, you will have seen a lot from this guy over uh, the course of uh, the last few years. And uh, he's got some pretty good promise. So Looking forward to seeing more of him and hopefully uh, some success at the uh, the old C position. Yeah, uh, was that his? Was that his first? Uh, I'm trying to think. Is that his first hit with the White Sox? It might it's be his first hit with the possible. White Sox. 
It was definitely his first RBI. I can't remember if that's his first hit or not. It might be. I didn't notice if they uh, they tossed the ball. They off. did. They did grab the ball. So, so I would have to imagine it's, it's, that. It could be for the first RBI. I don't know, but I don't remember hearing it's or seeing anything not. about probably, him getting any hit. Yeah, it's probably his first hit, and you know they'll take the ball in the back and defecate on it and chop it up into little pieces, probably, and <laughs> give it to him. You know, well, at least the, uh, a, a different a different baseball, not the actual one that he got. I was, gonna, yeah, with. right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, what kind of uh, what kind of baseball teams have you been a part of, man? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going by, you know, like those. You know, when you I was about. a kid, you you hit a home run and like everybody signed the ball. There was no defecating of any sorts, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, they do things different in, in the major leagues, you know. They do. So, uh, they do. I, you know, and I know what you're getting at too, because it's been a kind of a longstanding tradition to uh, mess with the guy. You know, some sort of prank on those uh, instances, especially when they're firsts and you're a rook. So, yeah, I could imagine them uh, doing something. You know, somebody cleaning the Mississippi mud off of it in the toilet, something mm-hmm. like that, something along those lines. Right. Uh, you know. I gotta say it's a it's a satisfying day to not have to 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 not have to think about next year you know going into next year with TLR as the manager. I have to say, I wish him all the best health, but uh, hey, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. You know what I mean? You're right. I you know listen, man. I I, I don't wish ill will on anyone. By any means. And I do hope that his uh, health issues get resolved to a point where, you know, he can enjoy the uh, waning years of his life. But, uh, you know, I'm not convinced that this is going to keep him away because, honestly, we look back at Tony LaRusso's career and the guy just seems to find a way to resurface. Uh, You know, you look back at the Cardinals, wasn't it like shingles or smallpox or some, maybe not smallpox, but something. He had something going on, like right before he left the dugout in St. Louis. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was shingles. Actually, he had some things going on. I, I read an article earlier, and I, I think I might pull that article up some point during the stream tonight and kind of just hit some of the uh, the key points that was made in this article. But it was actually written uh, back in I believe 2011 by Cardinals beat writers for Bleacher Report, and. Uh, Shockingly, it was all about uh, why Cardinals fans were ready to see Tony LaRusso walk away. And it kind of gave like 10 or 12 bullet points of, uh, you know, his little last couple years of his tenure there. And, uh, you know, I'll bring that up in a little bit when we get deeper into this thing. But it'll be fun. Um, so White Sox over the... Last weekend, we're just in San Diego and took two out of three from the Padres. Uh, sadly, to uh, Grimtall's dismay, they did not eliminate the Padres. And, I, you know, I have to say I was a little bit sad myself that they still did manage to, uh, due to a Brewers loss, manage to clinch mid-game. Uh, I don't know if you saw the picture of uh, Liam Hendricks standing outside the uh, dugout watching them celebrate, and he didn't look too particularly thrilled. Yeah, uh, I did catch a little bit of that. I did not watch the game because, uh, like enough. I said last week, my spirits have been so much better. Uh, 
so I have not, I have yet to watch a full game. You know, I'll, I'll catch bits and pieces on here. I'll put one on in the background for, you know, background noise or whatever. But yeah, no, I really find it much more relaxing to not pay a whole lot of attention to uh, what's going on. So, well, I, I mean, to be that. honest, there's not really a whole lot to pay attention to at this point other than, uh, you know, if they can manage to get back to 500 or not. You know, after yeah, the God, uh, travesty I mean, that has been the last couple uh last couple of weeks. To think about both of us lowballing expectations, you more than me at the beginning of the season. And to think that the White Sox look like they're gonna lowball themselves even more than what we did. Oh yeah, they, they is they uh it's quite the indictment. Yeah, it's quite the indictment on uh where the organization really stands at the moment. Uh you know, obviously, we kind of talked about some of the progress that have been made over the last couple of years. We thought there was, uh, you know, obviously using Codify and and things of that nature, bringing in more tech. You know, we heard that there was uh, possibly more uh, analytics-driven idea, uh, you know, ideology in the system, and then it comes out just a few days ago. Uh, you know, the guy that, uh, everybody loves to hate on Twitter for whatever reason, but comes up with a gem of a stat just about every day. Jay Kuda comes out and, uh, puts up a graph of, in terms of millions of spent in player payroll versus, uh, analytics staff on the team. And according to, media guides, the White Sox still only have five staffers. So we might have been misled to think that there were more. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, maybe some of that progress that we thought was being made really hasn't been made and uh, ought to be. You know, I I think that's something the White Sox should be looking at here. Uh, They are getting uh, outpaced by the folks who are paying attention to the numbers here. That's just my two cents. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. You know, we'll, we're going to go through, and uh, I've got a really long list of candidates. And, uh, you know, it was mentioned by Han today that the White Sox will be doing a quote unquote extensive interviewing process and get uh, lots of candidates in there. Now, you know, I mean, stop me if you've heard this before, but it's going to be somebody with uh, recent experience in the dugout or uh, at least working in the uh, the team, you know, that has playoff experience recently. What's up, John Rudels? How you doing? Hey, um, Rudels! You know. Like I said, stop me if you heard this before. It sounds exactly like uh, after 2020. Uh, indeed, it does. Yeah, I mean, it was it was eerily similar. His list of qual- qualifications. A, oh yes, a comprehensive manager search. Yeah, headed by, headed by advisor, advisor to the, the owner Tony Larusa. Yeah, that is so. something. Yeah, I Yeah, he he didn't announce his promotion. He announced his retirement. So yeah, please, he please, actually please. 
he uh, did answer a question and said that he hadn't talked to anybody in the organization about an about a role in the front office. So what exactly, you know, what exactly ends up being if if there is any role, what role he will play? And I did hear some uh, convincing things uh, about you know Tony Larusa pushing for Mike Schilt as a replacement to to himself, and you know him being the uh, another former Cardinals guy. Um, actually, a couple of those guys that have uh, been mentioned in certain circles as being guys that could be possible managerial material here in the near future. I think Terry Pendleton was another guy that had been mentioned, um, former you know Cardinal batting champion guy could smack the ball around, but uh, you know I I don't know you know how much credence I would put in him getting a managerial interview, especially here. I I seriously doubt it, but uh, you know I did see him mentioned in a uh, a list of candidates that would be out there. Um, David Eckstein. <laughs> David Eckstein. Oof. Yeah, I mean that that would f- that would like pretty much line right up with uh, Super Joe McEwing. You know, it's the exact same exact same guy. You know, I don't know if uh, TLR's got any of his shoes in his in his office, but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're essentially the same guy. Let's let's be real. Uh, no Joe Girardi. I know yeah, that's this, the, the whole list is coming up here in a bit, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say no to one Joe Girardi. No, thank you. That's a no, thank you for me as well. Uh, let's just put it out there. You know, uh, he's got a history of not being able to uh, gel with younger players. Uh, you know, he was brought in to the Yankees organization to do his uh, managerial beginnings uh thinking that uh you know he was going to do something with that team and uh unfortunately for him that team was already built to be juggernaut at the time and the only reason they were successful his first couple of seasons because of that it, it you know the decline happened year over year and it was pretty obvious that something was not working there and you know most folks attribute that to joe girardi so I, i'm with you on that one thanks i uh would rather not <laughs> yeah, no, you know, and, and there was an interesting quote that came out from Liam Hendricks saying that it would not be, uh, you know, that that he thinks that some of the members of the White Sox would do well with a manager that's going to go and hold players accountable. Uh, while I do agree with that, that that would, nece- you know, that that would probably be a good thing. I don't think that we need one that's rumored to have gotten into fistfights with some of his players. Right. So exactly, I, I mean that's kind of where I draw the line. You know, like I'm all for him, uh, you know, being a little bit more tough with uh, accountability because that's certainly one thing that seemed to be lacking on this uh, White Sox team. However, I don't think that um, you know ruling with yeah, an don't... iron fist literally would be no. necessarily a good idea. Oh, now see we now def- Bozy comes in with a good one. He says Lou Brown. Took a late '80s Indians team that included a near-retired catcher, a pitcher from the California Penal League, and a speedster no one heard of into the playoffs, and uh, 
I gotta say that Willie Mays, baby. Yeah, Willie I remember Mays. that. Yeah, Mays. yeah. I mean, even I mean, if he can even get Roger Dorn <laughs> to get in front of a ground ball, you know what I mean? Oh man, sounds like Ron Washington. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> at John yeah, Rudels, I'm with that you, was rumored. I don't know a hundred percent if the if there is is truth to it, but I certainly wouldn't doubt it because I've heard. I've heard many a thing about uh, old uh, Joe Girardi getting a little bit fired up about uh, about his uh, his job over there. Yeah, it's one thing to say you know a guy's got grit. It's another thing to say that you know he's holding Fight Club in in the clubhouse. Uh, you know, holding your guys accountable by uh, you know turning them into punching bags is not my idea of uh, managing. That's uh, that's just instilling fear. Yeah, well, yeah. There's that. You know, you go and in, you go into his office for a meeting, and you see him putting tinfoil on his on his knuckles at the desk. What are you doing? <laughs> putting on the tinfoil, coach. Uh, let's see. He got a he Cuban got... phenom to lay off the slider. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah, there is. Good old Pedro Serrano, that, man. That is true. Uh, bats no light curveballs. Yeah. Um I need a I need a live chicken. <laughs> yep, need a live chicken. Somebody somebody get somebody, somebody get eat the bucket of chicken. <laughs> somebody get this man a live chicken. Um You steal from you steal from Joe Boo. <laughs> stealing from Joe Boo is very bad. Very bad. <laughs> um Yeah, that is a, that is a good movie. It is indeed. It is a. Uh, it's a classic sports movie for sure. Um, now the subsequent uh, sequels. Yeah, yeah, not so much. Uh, Kendall Graveman managed to get through the bottom of, or through the uh, top of the eighth. So, or the uh, what is that? The top of the seventh. Top of the seventh. Yeah, top of the seventh. No. No, it's got to be the top of the eighth. Quato pitched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Bottom of the eighth right now. I don't know what that happened. Right. There you go. That's my issue. So let me ask you this. I mean, you know, we, we started to talk about it a little bit, but how do you feel about the the the, the potential here? Now, it looks like, the you know, the Sox have a late uh, lead late in this game, but uh, the potential to fall below 500 for the full season. Well, how does that make you feel? I mean, you, you, your prediction wasn't far from that. But, yeah, I uh, said, I said, to actually be below. Yeah, I said eighty three, so they would have had to have been uh, eighty three and seventy nine, and they're not even going to make that. Um, you know, it's basically what I've said the the last week or two is more or less. I predicted them to go, you know, that after seeing the the off season. Um, but I couldn't have predicted exactly how it happened. You know, uh, I just the, the vanishing offense for, you know, four or five games in a row at, 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 you know, who could, who could have predicted that? I mean, even after seeing the second half of last year, predicting that to happen again this year and to see just the complete lackadaisical attitude shown by the team in general um, or per- perceived 
you know, laziness <laughs> and just the, uh, you know, lack of just grit, you know, from the team at all. I, I would have never have predicted it to happen that way. I just would have predicted that they would not um, not be as good as, you know, they were the year before, just because, you know, you let Carlos Rodon walk and, you know, him being the best pitcher on your staff last year and then, you know, replacing him with, uh, you know, Kopech and Vince Velasquez, knowing that Kopech's coming back from TJ and hadn't pitched a full season, you know, and you were going to have to stretch him out. You were not going to get the innings. And then, you know, again, the the injury bug with this White Sox team has just been brutal, you know? Yeah, so, it's I mean, undeniable. I mean, I can't, you know, obviously I wouldn't, wouldn't have predicted the injuries again to be as bad as they ended up being, you know, obviously. But... Regardless, you know, it's a, it, they say, you know, every team deals with injuries and using that as an excuse for the reason that things turned out the way they did is a, is a cop-out because we saw how the team played. We saw that there was zero accountability. We saw that the defense was just absolutely brutal. The base running was absolutely brutal. Um, you know, that and, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they hit Excuse about me. 50% of the home runs that they did last year. So, well, I think Lucas Giolito might have said it best when he said, you know, it just seemed like guys kind of woke up and rolled into this new season feeling like uh, they were just going to roll into what they had done last year and, you know, take the division handily. But, uh, you know, if that was the case, then Lucas Giolito and the rest of these guys that take things serious as they should have weren't looking at the second half of last year because let's be honest uh that division was only won by as many games as it was won by the white Sox because it was absolutely awful the rest of the division was atrocious that white Sox team fell apart in the second half and it has looked the same ever since now we're looking at a year and a half worth of just dismal and underperforming by guys who were expected to do a lot more than what they have been. Uh, I don't know. You know, we, we like to dump on Tony here. I don't know that it's all Tony, but uh, I got to say, you know, it, it, with a group of guys as talented as these guys are, uh, injuries aside, you would expect that these guys are going to go out with some sort of fire knowing that, you know, Liam Hendricks is the, you know, the closer of the year you know, multiple times and, or I'm sorry, the, you know, reliever of the year, uh, you know, and he always brings that fire, but you know, he's a guy that comes in and pitches in the ninth inning. Where's the fire from the rest of the team? You know, Tim Anderson has had his issues and has missed a really big chunk of the season. Uh, you know, he's always been wanting to bring some fire, but you know, there's 26 men on this team. And you're telling me that not, you know, you would think that a bunch of them would have some fire, but we couldn't even seem to get fire out of one or two for us kind of fired up and going. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of put a lot of that on Tony, 
put a lot of it on this. There's a systemic failure within the White Sox organization to uh, make sure that these guys were prepared to go into the season. You know, whether or not Lucas Giolito wants to come out and say, oh, you know, we just thought we were going to roll over everybody again. And we weren't, we didn't prepare. Well, where the hell is the, the organization? Where's the ball club in the offseason checking in on these guys? Man, you keeping up with your workouts? You know, well, oh, I know I know there's a lockout and we can't yeah. talk to you anymore, but the yeah. lockout didn't start until, you know, December. And you're telling me that you could, and we knew the lockout was coming before it happened. It had been discussed. We knew it was coming. You can't tell me somebody when I was on the horn, like, hey, man, ready. We don't know how long this thing's going to go. So be ready. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, obviously there's certainly part of that. I mean, you know, I mean, Gio even said, you know, like one of the things that he tried to do is he tried to build up a lot of muscle, you know, because he thought that that would help. And clearly that did not help, you know. So, you know, I think that's it's one of those things, you know, I and I've heard, uh, you know, I think it was on the uh, NBC Sports podcast uh you know, them talking about saying, you know, even like a, a friend of a friend getting a hold of Chilito to find out what it is that he's doing in the off season and saying, uh, yeah, that might not be the best idea, you know, for whatever reason, he thought that that was a really good idea. And, you know, after, after the uh, core velocity thing and, uh, you know, Carlos Rodon working on his conditioning and getting a little bit thicker down, down in the, you know, in his legs to help him drive on the ball, it helped him. Um, it did not help Lucas and, um, I kind of think that they're going to obviously move away from that in this, uh, you know, in the off season. And I think that there's going to be a, you know, there's going to be a concerted effort towards, uh, you know, stamina related things instead of strength related things, things to help him keep limber, you know, like, uh, stretch him out a little bit and, uh, you know be strong, but not, you know, built up. And I think that that's probably where part of the, you know, part of the disconnect was in, in the thinking there is bulking up would help him out. And I mean, that's, and, you know, you want to talk about uh, deja vu about one of those guys who was, you know, one of the best in the, in the system at one point, Alec Hansen, same thing. You know, he went out and had led the minor leagues in strikeouts and then he goes and he, in the off season, he decides to, you know, quote unquote, get stronger so he could, you know, make it through the rigors of a season and, um, you know, and possibly be better than he was the year before. And once that happened, everything just completely fell apart. Yeah, and, the wheels uh, definitely fell off. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a like the parallels of the two off seasons that uh, led to what happened there is pretty pretty uncanny, really, which is. Kind of sad, um, yeah. You know, and the thing with the thing with Lucas is, he, I'm fine with you know getting a little more leg strength for the drive off the mound. Uh, you know, like you said, it it worked for Carlos Rodon. The thing that I noticed about Lucas though is he didn't just get thicker on the bottom; he got thicker all the way around. Yeah, and, he's got uh, to be a big dude. You know, he's. He, I mean, it's it's quite obvious just looking at him from last year to this year. His shoulders look bigger. His chest looks bigger. He just looks bigger from top to bottom. And, uh, 
you know, there's that old saying, I mean, the word muscle bound, you know, uh, a lot of weightlifters and bodybuilders consider that a compliment. But the reason that bound is in the second half of that word is because that's what happens. You get bound, you get tight. You're not as free flowing as before. Your, your, your movements aren't as fluid as they were before. And I think that's pretty uh, indicative of what's going on with Luke this year is he's just, he doesn't have the velocity because his body isn't moving in the same way. You know, those muscles are kind of putting him and pulling him, pushing him and pulling him in directions that, you know, maybe a, a, a solid pitcher doesn't want to uh, be moving. in. so, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully he addresses that in the off or of just that we had been hoping to see this year. Uh, you know, all of us were hoping that he would make that next step. Uh, but it turns out Dylan Cease was the one that was going to make the next step or two or three even. And, uh, you know, kudos to him because uh, he was one of the, the lone bright spots almost from start to finish this year that uh, really made things uh, at least somewhat watchable for us when we're spending our summer disappointed. So, you know, I, you know, I don't know what to say. Uh, maybe the two of them should sit down. You know, it, it, it used to be Lucas giving uh, Dylan Cease pointers. And, you know, we remember seeing him talking about he needs to get on top of his ball more in a dugout. And, uh, you know, maybe now it's uh, time for Dylan to put Lucas Giolito on a nutrition and workout plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, I mean, if you look at Dylan Cease, like, he's just, I mean, you can tell he's 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 strong, but he's not, uh, you know, with all the yoga stuff that he's doing, you can see that he's very flexible and uh Strong and flexible, not, you know, overloaded with muscle in one particular area. It's just overall just strong and lean. Uh, one thing that uh, Grimtall mentions is that uh, Loiza did the same thing after 2003. You know, he did a bunch of weightlifting and same thing. Couldn't, uh, wasn't as flexible. You know, the movement wasn't there He's, anymore. And Oh, we all know Loiza's known for. For what? Moving weight. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'll just he just was leave moving. It at that. He was moving all sorts of weight. That is very true. I didn't think about that. Geo's coming into twenty twenty three with the swankiest stash in all of the lands. That's you know. I mean, it, it'll be. Uh, you know what though? I could see. I don't. I don't know about. Uh, I. I could totally see Geo coming in with uh, one of those Clark Gable mustaches next year. You know, I could. I could see that. I think that would Why not? be a good look for him too. If he uh, and if the know. White Sox hire Ron Washington, I'm <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think that we could probably yeah. That speaking of speaking of weight getting moved and uh, powdery substances. So uh, TLR retires today. Um, so I'm assuming. That, uh, you know, that he's not going to get any, since he announced his retirement, um, that there's not going to be any more credit for any of the wins that the team gets. Now, when that paperwork gets filed, is that what's going to uh, decide whether or not he gets credit for... um, for another win because he stuck at twenty eight ninety nine 
So, I mean, I would think that 2,900 would be kind of like a, a number that he would at least try and hit. And I, you know, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, why not just let him hang on for like another day or two and see if they can get another win so he gets 2,900, even though he's not the actual uh, in dugout manager at this point because of the health reasons, he's still getting credit for the wins that have been happening over the last, you know, last couple of days. Few weeks. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wouldn't say last few weeks because they lost a ton of those games, but, uh, you know, um, you know, he's still got credit for a couple of them over the last uh, couple, you know, last couple of weeks. So it just seemed like kind of a weird thing to have him retire and stop right before 2,900. I kind of figured that they would let him get, uh, get to there, but he came in with uh, 2,728 wins uh, he leaves with uh, roughly about 2,900. Um, all of his uh, impressive stats, you know, with the uh, six pennants and three World Series titles and then the uh, the 12 division titles, the only thing that changed was that he won the division once. And uh, he only got two more playoff wins in, in that uh, – you know, in that time. So, or got one uh, one playoff win in that time and – I was going to say, one of those uh, two playoff wins is yeah, actually it was Ricky. attributed to uh, Ricky yeah. Renneria. Yeah, so he only got one <clears throat> one additional playoff win, you know. Um, uh, he, you know, he lamented about it today in his press conference saying that, uh, you know, he was brought here for strong leadership and uh, – you know, positive, positive leadership. And he, it was evident by their record that he did not do his job. And I am not going to disagree with him one bit. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, I don't think you can, you know, uh, there's nothing to disagree with. You know, I saw, I believe it was in a group called Chicago White Sox exclusive on Facebook. And I believe uh, there was a post by a regular member, a longtime member of that group, you know, maybe one of the original founding members of that group, if you will, who uh, was looking for, I should say, was looking to call out the TLR stance and tried it one way and that way didn't work. And well, this person decided to say, you know what, let's try it this way. Tell me what it was that you actually liked about how he managed the White Sox. And now I didn't had I hadn't gone back to revisit this post, but at the time the post was a couple hours old and it was crickets. Yeah, no, I didn't see I don't think I saw one reply on that at all. I don't think I, I'm not sure if anybody ended up actually replying to it. Uh because I I don't think that there was really anything that you could attribute to his time there that uh actually Went benefited well. the baseball team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There, there, I don't, you I can't, can't pick one thing. Yeah, I can't I can't come up with one thing. Nevertheless, now, they pick can something. Come up, <laughs> they can come up with all the excuses as to why he was not successful. Yeah. But you can't tell, show me not one thing that you liked about what happened. Uh, also pretty telling, if you ask me. But hey, you know. Uh, you do you, you go ahead and, uh, swing from Tony's short and curlies. Yeah. Uh, I am, uh, going to go ahead and rejoice that, uh, 
things are moving in a different direction. Mm -hmm. I'm at least for now, for the time being, I'm rejoicing because, you know, uh, as we said earlier, we've heard the story and the rhetoric of we're going to go out and do our best to uh, figure out what's best for the organization with this lengthy interview process and yada, yada, yada. But as we pointed out last week, uh, when Bob Nightingale kind of started dropping these hints about this uh, impending retirement, or at least Tony not coming back next year, whether he's retired, uh, you know, the name that was dropped almost immediately was Bruce Bochy. Uh, again, there, there's another guy that, uh, you know, left the dugout for health reasons. And I found it quite funny, not long after we did last week's show, that Steve Stone did an interview on the score. And during that interview said, I ran into Bruce Bochy this year in spring training, and he was looking healthy, and I asked him if he wanted to come back to the dugout, and he said he was ready. So, you know, I don't know. We might end up, all I'm saying is, is I'm because we end up with a retread with health issues in age and uh you know don't get me wrong he's not you know, ancient or anything but i believe he's in his mid 60s uh you know and uh has been away from the dugout for a few years sounds a little bit like a broken record to me you know what i mean health issues been away from the game but uh would be willing to come back in the right situation i mean <laughs> if this happens it's going to be exactly like I've been talking about with the Rodan Kopech parallels. Have we learned nothing? <laughs> I mean, literally headed down the exact same path. And, you know, if that happens, uh, like, did you not you know, just not, see what just happened? Not to mention that, uh, you know, Mr. Brochi and Mr. Reinsdorf have a uh, a little bit of history together as well, too. You know, they're they're supposed longtime friends. So, you know, uh, it's not outside the realm of possibility. All right. And well, I also find it funny that there are a lot of pining for this hire. Pining. Well, Tony LaRusso didn't work out, so let's try the, the next closest retread with health issues. Who hasn't been around the game in a while. It's like, why are we? We're just okay. So they got rid of Tony Larusa. Let's bring in Tony Larusa light. You know what I mean? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, you know I've heard uh, the Bochi thing, and you know I've also heard the, uh, which I mean is literally the exact same thing. Mike Sosha. I've heard that name thrown around a little bit as well. We're literally talking about doing a Liam managed to load the bases and managed to get out of it for a White Sox winner. If Tony LaRusso's papers have not been filed yet, he finishes with 2,900 wins. Congrats to Tony LaRusso on uh, getting the team the 2,900th victory for himself. Way to go, Tony. So mm. there is that. Mm. Um, let's see. If the front office listened to fans, this team would go ten and one hundred and fifty-two. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what fans you're talking about, now, doesn't it? If you're listening to a general consensus across Twitter, yeah, you'd probably be in real trouble. Uh, I'm trying to figure out why Steve Stone has his carry-on luggage in his lap. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I've uh, 
I think that's probably because he's getting ready to. Uh, <laughs> he he's grabbing all of his stuff from his uh, from his desk and uh, you know getting Heading ready to uh, hightail it out of here. I because you know his his contract's expired. I. I mean, obviously, I don't know, but I would not be surprised. Oh, yeah. See, well, yeah. I'm not even going to mention it there, Grimtall. But, yeah, no, I – yeah, I agree. Uh, bring in Cito Gaston and clock some solo dingers all the way to the LCS. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, is that somebody's got to hit those home runs. And uh, this year, not too many people were hitting those home runs, unfortunately. Um, but it certainly couldn't be. I mean, I would take Cito Gaston. I would have taken Cito Gaston over TLR any day if that would have been the uh, the higher. I would have certainly been more enthused about Cito Gaston than I would have been TLR. Um, all right, so we know that uh, Bob Nightingale has his fingers on the pulse of the front office of the White Sox, or more, more likely, is that the, the bad? Fo- yeah, or more likely just the uh, the owner and the delusional nonsense that he likes to spout, um, which, you know, he's the one that ultimately is paying the checks, so I guess it's not technically delusional. I, I think just the, the results that come from some of these decisions that are made are delusional. Um, but some of the names that came from Nightingale in his, uh, in his article were uh, Joe Madden, Bruce Bochy, Mike Schilt, Joe Spada, George Lombard, and Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran. Yeah. No. Okay. No. The uh, the 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 famed only name brought up in the whole masterminding in Astros garbage can beating. Yeah, so he was the only guy that they threw under the bus and said he was the master. So you know, we hear, his manager got a suspension, his his coach got a suspension, but uh, you know, Carlos Beltran was the leader of the pack, if you will. Supposedly, yeah, anyway, and, you know from from what I understand is that Carlos Beltran is a master at picking up signs, and. The one thing that you heard in uh, retort to people saying that A.J. Hinch was going to get hired was that he was a known cheater with the Astros and that Jerry was not going to hire a cheater to be the manager of the White Sox. Well, that's why I scoff at this idea of it being a uh, column here. Yeah, so you think that... (laughs) Carlos Beltran or Joe Espada, who are both tied to that Astros club, you think that either one of those guys is going to end up in the dugout for the White Sox? And I'm not even talking about credentials because, I mean, like one of those two guys, I would take either or, really. Uh, Well, that's what I'm saying. I hope so, (laughs) but uh, doubtful. Yeah, well, I mean, you heard if <laughs> what we heard about his attitude towards AJ Hinch and the, you know, you know, 
so-called gaffe of putting the A.J. Hinch autograph on the Tony La Russa press release for when he get hired um, because apparently Rick Hahn had already made up his mind that that's who he was going to hire. Um, but then it got, uh, you know, he got superseded by JR and TLR shows up. Uh, do you really think that, you know, dis- despite any qualifications that they've got, that if that was indeed the case, that either one of those two guys is going to end up showing up in Chicago in the dugout next year? I highly doubt it. Yeah, I don't think so either. But there's that small part of me that is thinking, you know, Uncle Jerry, you know, and, you know, we had all the speculation the last couple of years when this rebuild started to happen. Uncle Jerry wants another championship on the south side before he uh, parts ways with uh, the rest of humanity. And, uh, you know, part of me has got this hope that he goes and says, you know what, Rick, you were right. It's obvious that this didn't work out the way I wanted it to. I'm handing you the keys to the organization again. Because there was a time where it seemed, and I know all these people are, calling for Rick Hahn's head because this move wasn't made. That move didn't happen. But, you know, if you look at the time from 2016 until the time TLR was hired, there was a different feel in the front office. And the moment that TLR was announced as manager is when things changed. I personally still don't blame Rick Hahn for what's going on these last two seasons. I think it's TLR. TLR having too much say. And what's going on and being and Rick Hahn just being overridden by his owner and his manager. So I don't know. Now, if things continue in this direction, say throughout the course of the offseason, and it becomes obvious that this next managerial hire uh isn't someone that we think should be in that position. Well, then maybe I will kind of say, okay, time for two. But I'm not convinced that he had any part in a lot of what was going on these last two seasons. You know, uh, I think his hands were kind of tied. I think they were. He was told like, you, you can spend this much money, but I don't want you to spend it all on one guy. Yeah. So I what did Rick Hahn do? He tried to get the most buck by going out and getting a, a handful of bullpen arms because he was handcuffed. Yeah, I you can I, spend you can spend thirty million, but you can't spend it all on one. Yeah, you can't spend it on anything that's actually worthwhile. But you know what you can do is you you know if if the team actually does have the lead, you can try and spend some money on the bullpen. So if you go into you know past the fifth inning with the lead, that you can try and at least be you know like a complete shutdown bullpen. Yeah, I I'm kind of along the same lines in my line of thinking as well. Now I'm not saying that the all the moves that Rick Hahn has made have been great moves um we know that that uh kimbrel move was you know ended up being cheeks it was terrible you know oh, booty and you know the the fact that the option was picked up as well was also ugly especially considering you, you did not give rodan the qualifying offer um you know Absolute i booty yeah there there's definitely been some missteps there but I am willing to forgive those kind of mistakes 
more so uh, like that kind of a mistake more so than um you know i i how about this i just feel like the tlr thing is just where everything went completely sideways oh we i did it fell off the rails almost immediately yeah and and you know like his at at that point it was like i don't know that any move that he necessarily made this, you know, I don't think there was, I I didn't really see any moves that I saw somebody else make would have really put the white Sox over the top and helped them beat the Astros. I think that, yes, there is a, there is a fundamental flaw in the construction of the roster. Absolutely. But it's one of those fundamental flaws that could be fixed if he, you know, if the checkbook had been open a few years ago, and he had been able to do what he had set out to do, and you know, I think that the financial constraints that were put on him just were too much to overcome. When it come, you know, when it came to the two guys that he wanted to sign. You know, actually, I guess like three of the guys that he wanted to sign between uh, Machado, Harper, and Wheeler. You know, it's just it was a, a financial constraint put on him that he could not spend. You know, specific. Uh, TLR introduced the one-two intentional walk too late in the game. That's you know, yeah. Now, had he done that in twenty twenty-one, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah, see, let's let's see if it works out for him. Um, so uh, on the. So we've got the uh, the Bob Nightingale bat phone. Uh, also, the uh, Daryl Van Scowen, Scoven, however you pronounce uh. it. Um, his his uh, article that he wrote, I found to actually be kind of uh, interesting just because the way that he broke things down. He broke it down with uh, players that had socks ties and players that did not have socks ties. And there's, you know, there are numerous of the same entries in there with the non-sox ties in Bruce Bochy, uh, Joe Girardi, Joe Madden, Mike Schilt, and Joe Espada. Um, Under the Sox ties, and this is where he totally loses me, um, the first one he brings up is Willie Harris, third base coach for the Cubs. Um. Now I know that he uh, he did get an interview last time, and it was reported that the reason why he got the interview, uh, you know, I guess I guess that's debatable why he got the interview, but uh, you know he got the interview and then they made a phone call across town for him to get that job with the Cubs. Uh, you know him being. Formerly with the uh, Winston Salem Dash, um, managing down there. Um, the second one, and this is where I just, I was like, okay, uh, AJ Perzinski. Oh, Daryl, can come we on, stop? Bro. Come on, bro. <clears throat> you know, like, can we stop? He, you know, that's that's clickbait. That's trying to keep the readers invested because there's that. Way too large community of Sox fans that believe that AJ is the savior the Sox have been 
eating. Drop Zero. drop third strike. You know, he's gonna Zero. do that same thing as a manager. He's just gonna he's gonna make all sorts of uh very brainy moves that are just going to uh win. I mean the guy hasn't even games. been like a catching coach at any level in the game. Yeah. Let alone a base coach or a bench coach or a pitching anything. He's got zero coaching experience. I don't even think he's been coaching like his kids' baseball team or whatever his team. Like I honestly don't. I maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe we should check <laughs> maybe, out Paulie Maybe Canerco he does do a little league. Know, I don't know. It's possible. Yeah, it's but I mean we know Paulie Canerco is is you know, he's constantly talking about his life in retirement now watching his uh, son grow up to play baseball and coaching at that level. I would hire Paul Canerco over AJ any day of the week because at least he's coaching something. And that's, and I don't, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying let's go out and hire Paul Canerco. Just, I'm, I'm saying. Uh, I'm yeah, I know. I, I, I'm reading the subtext here. Uh, okay. Yeah, I will say, you know, his name is AJ uh, Bozy says uh, his name AJ is always going to float around because he's smart, and you know, like it's entirely possible that uh, that AJ is coaching in little league. You know, I would think that uh, probably uh, Timmy, you know, the uh, starting shortstop for his kids' team, uh, his dad is probably the head coach, and AJ is probably just like the uh, first base coach. Um, yeah, slugging and, you know, lights like, out of a out of Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see great players are never good managers he was a good pitcher's catcher hey well, carlos beltran is uh is a pretty stinking good player and they're saying that he's going to be a a great manager so i don't know i guess we'll see uh can't really think of any great players that were good managers although uh your boy don mattingly was a pretty stinking good manager and uh a hell of a baseball player. Yeah, and a very good baseball player, despite the fact that his back went. Um, uh, next on the list was, of course, the one, the only Ozzie Guillen, who, uh, you know, Chuck on the uh, the post game was, uh, you know, trying to uh, get Ozzie to throw his hat into the ring, and I kind of don't think that's happened. Uh, he also uh, mentions, of course, Miguel Cairo, which, you know, uh, Rick Hahn did mention that he was definitely going to get an interview. Got, dude never shaved his sideburns. Hey, you know, Bozy, if you had sideburns like that, that were, uh, you know, a nice dark sideburn like that, that were clearly defined, you know, like uh, us with the, uh, you know, the, the reddish hair, we can't really get that defined sideburn. I don't know if I'd shave mine either, you know, I'm just saying. Uh, he knows more about the White Sox than anyone. He's invested in the White Sox more than anyone. That's uh, yeah. That's, oh, Ozzy, yeah. He invented the White Sox. Says nobody. Nobody says knows Chuck. this team better than I do. All right, so here is yeah. the one that uh, DVS. Weird how that's his his uh, initials DVS. Um, the one that he brought up that I was just I. It was kind of just like, what are we even doing here? Uh, Chris Getz. Huh? Uh, <laughs> player, pro player development. Yeah, that one kind of threw me for a loop, like that that was even thrown in the ring. I just thought that was a rather strange one. Um, 
So, Billy Bean, you want to quit baseball to become a scout? That's right. Yeah. And you want to you wanna quit being uh, more of a scout and, uh, you know, player development guy and be the manager? Okay. Grim, Grimtall says Project Chicago, and I'm all for it. Let's just, <laughs> let's just go ahead. Well, yeah, we'll go ahead and bring all of our uh, – We'll go ahead and bring all of our young prospects and just throw them all onto the all onto the MLB club, and we'll call it Project Chicago. Oh yes, Chris Widger. There you go. I don't wonder what Chris hey. Widger's up to these days. I did not see his name thrown around. Um. So there's, you know, obviously there's going to be some other positions around Major League Baseball that are going to open up. Obviously, we know that uh, the Marlins opened up when. Uh, the earlier mentioned Don Mattingly was let go by uh, Kim Eng. And um, so that one's obviously open. Um, other ones that I've seen that have got, I, I'd say Matheny with the Royals would not be surprised. Uh, he's not gone yet, right? He hasn't gotten fired no. yet. But no, I but, uh, would not be surprised he's probably if he in the works. Yeah, uh, I've also yeah, the Royals are going to do the classy thing and wait for these last couple of games to be over. Yeah, I mean there there was you know <laughs> there was an article saying that there's like uh, you know here's eight guys that could possibly you know create I wonder vacancies. If the soft socks can handle it. Soft socks. Oh, soft socks. I'm like, what is, is that? The uh, is that the Korean version of the of the soft the soft bank? Oh no, that's the soft bank. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, if the, the KBO, oh, if the soft, the soft socks can handle Mattingly just whipping their butts every day, yeah, that's entirely uh, that is a great yeah, question. Mattingly, Mattingly is the is the manager. Girardi is the bench coach. That's <laughs> uh, oh man, <laughs> I'd be surprised if we didn't. And let's you know, like why not? Let's uh, it's like Rocky Three. I must break you. Let's grab <laughs> let's grab Gabe Kapler too, and we'll throw him in the dugout too. Let's hey, have all three of them right. in there, and they can all, you know, they can all flex and then uh, get angry at each other and then fight each other, and uh, that would be fun. Hey, who was who was the guy who was the the shoplifter slash uh, ass kicker? <laughs> shoplifter. Yeah, he was like I was. Oh God, who was the was he a Cardinals player back in the day? He was, I don't know. After he retired from baseball, he got like I, know, I mean I know lifting and. Waving guns at people and beating people up, and I, it was just—I know Jameis Winston mind. got got busted for stealing crab legs, but that's the—that's the only guy I can yeah, think it's of. A, yeah, that's a, it's a whole other thing. <laughs> they just line your pockets with plastic, man. Randy Quaid, no, not Randy Quaid, or Dennis Quaid for that matter. Neither one of those guys. Uh, Mike Quaddy, Mike Leak. Is it Mike Leak? I don't know. It might be Mike Leak, actually. Um. So another one that uh, so here's you know some people have man, uh, mentioned uh, Sandy Alomar Jr. as a possibility for a replacement, um, but it's also rumored that Francona is done after this year, um, you know due to health reasons as well. I was going to say I don't think yeah even if he's done I don't if he's done he's done he's going anywhere. Tito has been going he's been put through the ringer the last couple of years there. Yeah. Yeah, his body's given up on him. So I, you know, I, I would, I would think that uh, Sandy Elmar Jr. kind of has that same thing that's uh, rumored that Joe Espada has with the Astros, which is when the, you know, current manager moves along, that they're going to assume assume the position. 
and um, take over. So um, I would be surprised if Sandy Elmar Jr.'s name's even tossed around in the conversation, or if he even gets a uh, an interview, if, if he even grants an interview that he wants to come and do it. I kind of doubt that that would even become a thing. Just a just a thought. Um, so some other guys that I've seen thrown around. It's uh, Matt Quattraro from Tampa Bay. Um, that one, you know, analytics guy. So a lot of people love him. Um, but, you know, he is also one of those guys that's uh, one of the fun police. And is that going to be the kind of guy that uh, you're going to necessarily want in the White Sox dugout? Now, I'm not saying that uh, – I think that there can be accountability without being – the fun police or without being, you know, uh, too serious about things. You know, I think that there certainly could be accountability and, um, well, we saw how, uh, being the stoic old timey player worked out for the white Sox these past season too, you know, and that was mentioned by, uh, one of the players not that long ago. I think those are the exact words. I was like old, you don't have to be that stoic, old timey baseball player. Yeah, that's Liam Hendricks. Yeah, it was, and uh, you know, Liam Hendricks, especially you know, like today when uh, Tony retired, Liam kind of came out and uh, you know, again had his back as most of the players have since Tony has uh, taken over as manager of the White Sox. Uh, you know, Liam comes out and says things like, uh, you know, he was great because he took responsibility for everything, even when it wasn't his fault. He was taking responsibility trying to keep the weight off the player's shoulders. That's fine and dandy, but, uh, you know, there's been a couple of times that Liam spoke out this year and, you know, without mentioning Tony's name, kind of put some things out there in the ether that if you read between the lines, we're kind of shots at that same manager. So, you know, I, I kind of take some of that stuff with a grain of salt. Um, you know, I, you got to love these guys for doing what they do day in and day out and having to sit in cameras after they perform absolute awful. And to say that Tony LaRusa takes full responsibility, you know, a lot of these players have taken the responsibility as well. I, there hasn't been a whole lot of finger this season in any way. You know, Lucas Giolito blames himself for his bad starts. Uh, Tony LaRusa wants to take the blame for a loss but doesn't want to take the blame for he'll argue with you about walking a guy with one, not one, but twice. Yeah. Uh, you know, so say what you want, but, uh, you know, if I, if anything, this, this next time I want guys like Liam Hendricks, when they're saying these things to, you know, go ahead and step up and be that guy in the clubhouse. If you're going to, if you're going to put things out there like that, then you obviously see there's a problem. You know, how can you not? But uh, instead of talking about it on TV and, and oh, we're going to take responsibility for these kinds of things, how about going out there and making the change, making, making the difference that this ball club needs? Yeah, that's that's kind of one of those things that I, I also wonder about. You know, I think that part of the issue is, is that when you've got Cueto and you've got Lance Lynn and you've got Liam Hendricks as the pitchers, Barking at people, um, 
Now, if you notice that the the White Sox strongest suit this year was pitching, and that was the side of the baseball that had accountability was from that area. Yeah, and we going into the season thought there were question marks in that particular category as well. Yet it turned out to be the best category for the White Sox. Yeah, and that's where the accountability, you know, that's where those guys are holding each other accountable. That's where you've got the, you know, guys who are riding each other to to get better. Meanwhile, right, you don't- are, the veteran presence and leadership was there. Yeah, you don't hear about that from the offensive side of the baseball. You don't hear about that from the fielders, you know? There's there's nobody that's really you know, really outspoken. I mean, I mean Dallas Keuchel's gone and he seemed to be uh one of those guys that was really trying to get the defense to work. Um but yeah, that's uh, it's just kind of odd, you know? I wonder you know, where's the where is the accountability from the offensive side and from the fielders it just didn't seem to be there and that uh, is kind of one of those things where you know you heard rumors and you know the the rumored leak was Dallas Keuchel you know that uh, he was the one who said that there was no accountability in the in the locker room you know I it's maybe that he didn't like the results but I, I you know there's no you know arguing that there was not enough accountability in that locker room for the guys that necessarily needed it. So it's, you know. <sighs> yeah, things that make you go, hmm, you know. Uh, it, it, and really nobody. I mean, when you say there wasn't, I mean, there was. Let's be quite frank here. There was zero. And when it was brought up that there was a team meeting where, in, in you know, Mr. Kenny Williams had to come down to the clubhouse and pull the old Billy Bean and, and break the boom box and throw things around. Uh, you know, the following couple of games, things. When then it just didn't seem to stick. There was a, there was a couple of games in there where, you know, oh they won a couple of games and Jose Abreu is sliding around in a dugout and smiling and making faces in the camera. And that lasted all of about three days. Yeah. So, you know, when you say there was no clubhouse, you know, position player leadership to step up, it really was zero. Seems it was zero. You didn't see anything. Yep. You didn't see anything. You didn't hear anything. The only thing we ever heard come from that was that one meeting, that one player's meeting with the president of baseball operations, Mr. Kenny Williams. Yep. Uh, that's a pretty sad statement as well, too. You know, as wet as, as terribly as this season went, as disappointed as Sox fans were very vocal about being, we heard of one team meeting where, you know, somebody got mad and, and did some yelling and screaming. Yeah. Now, the White Sox, again, are that team that plays their cards close to their chest most of the time, uh, usually keep things in-house. But, I mean, you know, there has to be some something that gives – that says, you know, hey, as you you all being our fans and spending all the money and basically essentially paying our paychecks, you know, collectively as as White Sox fans, whether you're buying merchandise or going to games or paying for, you know, TV packages or whatever it is, uh, you would think that 
the organization would come out and say, hey, listen, we're going to try to do these things to appease you, the consumer of the product that you are obviously not happy you're seeing. And uh, once, one time we heard team meeting. Uh, kind of disappointing, just like the season. Yep. Um, somebody that I have seen mentioned quite often on Twitter as somebody that uh, a bunch, you know, quite a few people would like to see possibly get the job would be Eduardo Perez, uh, son of Tony Perez, uh, Hall of Famer and godson of Orlando Cepeda. Um, also, who uh, coincidentally got his last base hit of his career off of Mark Burley. Um, but uh, I had mentioned, you know, it's been mentioned that uh, some people would like to see him possibly get the job. And, you know, he's done some, uh, you know, he's done bench coach, he's done uh, hitting coach, he's done first base coach. Actually, I think that now that I think about it, I think he, I think he quit. He got moved from bench coach with the uh, Astros, I believe. Uh, so with the, with the Astros, I think it was the Astros. Uh, yeah, it was Astros bench coach, and then he got. Uh, I, from what it seems like, he got demoted to first base coach. So maybe he wasn't, a, um, you know, necessarily doing his thing over there uh, to their satisfaction. But then he uh, ended up retiring and going back to hang out with his family in that time. But uh, he also was the, uh, you know, he's been in the front office. He was in the front office for the uh, for the Indians at the time. He was the general manager for uh, Puerto Rico's national team. Uh, managed the Columbia World Baseball Classic team. Um, he's got a a bunch of different qualifications and stuff, and seems like a man uh, like a pretty smart guy. And he did interview for the uh, for the Mets. And he interviewed for somebody else. I'm trying to think of who it was. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Oh, the uh, Astros in 2020. He, got, he interviewed there as well. Um, so, I mean, there there is like some, uh, you know, apparently people think highly of him. And he was manager, of the, you know, manager of the year in the uh, uh, the Puerto Rican Baseball uh, Association down there. Um, founded like the Puerto Rican winter training center down there. Uh, he's done so much for the game. Great guy. Um, what would you, what would you say to something like that? If that was the, if that was the guy, um, I'm not, again, I'm not opposed. Uh, obviously some experience, uh, experience around winning ball clubs. Uh, but again, that's one of those things like they, you know, he went from, being bench coach to being demoted. There's got to be reasons for that. We those reasons are that gives me a slight bit of pause, but uh, you know, I think the most important thing for me, and, and we've said this, say it again. I just want to know that there's a, a, a true process, you know, being held here. Um, you know, obviously we've touched on the points of what we're kind of Born a manager, uh, somebody who's got some ex- coaching experience. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be managerial experience, but like you said, a guy who's a bench coach, which is literally right, you know, the next step below manager, uh, kind of plays a part in just about all the decisions uh, a manager does. You know, manager likes to bounce things off the bench coach. And, 
you know, I, I'm okay with that. I want to see a guy with success in his career, in his coaching career. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to talk to me about age. Guys get that guy's getting. I don't really care about age. It's how well you adapted to the changes in the game over the years. Uh, you know, and not taking you, a dozen years off. Right. And that's, that's the big, that's the number one key. You know, we talk about not being a dugout for nine years. Well, you know, if you look at Bruce Boche, I think the last year he coached was 2014. So here we are creeping up on 2023. And again, it's nine years since he was, uh, managing a team. If I'm not mistaken, is that, is that right? <sighs> no, I don't think it's been it's that pretty, long. Maybe not 2016, maybe. Yeah. It's somewhere in there. I yeah, mean, he's been away for Socha at least six well. or he's seven been, years. He's been out for a while as well. Right. So, you know, I'd rather not see one of those been part of the game or or have been in the game as an advisory role or whatever it is, but they haven't been in the dugout. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just kind of a no on that whole thing. But a guy like, you know, we're talking about, it, it's – I'm not opposed to hiring somebody like that who's got managerial experience for an international club or, you know, coaching, bench coach experience for a team who has been – pretty dominant over let's say the last you know eight years or so you know and is is even if they haven't won a world series has gone to playoffs multiple times and with a couple pennants in their in their cap well, uh that you is know, a okay uh, that's a beautiful segue actually um so other candidates that i have seen uh guys that have been around the uh the winning thing. Uh, Will Venable is a bench coach in Boston. Obviously not this year. They've been terrible this year. Uh, but um, he's one of those guys who's, you know, got a lot of helium and um, guys seem to like his, his uh, baseball acumen and seem like uh, seem to think that he's one of those guys that's one of those next man to get, you know, next next young guy to be one of those guys that gets a job. Um, despite the fact that, you know, I will say, you know, we've seen quite a few of those young, young guys fail uh, in recent years. Uh, you know, the aforementioned uh, Gabe Kapler. Um, Matheny also, I mean, he's not super young, but uh, young enough that, you know, you're watching him get his head, you know, head beat in, a, you know, for a few seasons. And, uh you know, they're talking about him getting relieved of his duty in KC after this year. So, you know, who knows? Um, I did find some interesting names that haven't been uh, around for a little bit as uh, managers, but they've stuck around in the game. And these are some uh, some interesting ones here. Uh, and, and this one in particular, I find to be interesting because of a couple of things. Uh, Freddie Gonzalez was the manager of the Braves for a while. He was a Bobby Cox guy, also Cuban, which I think would be an interesting, uh, an interesting little twist. Um, him being a Bobby Cox guy, there's going to be accountability there. Um, he did some things with uh, 
with the Braves, you know, he was not a bad manager. Um, he did end up getting let go, you know, as things – if it didn't end badly, it wouldn't end, right? So um, right, right, clearly exactly. there, there was some things. But I, I find that one kind of interesting because it's a, uh, you know, a Cuban guy uh, from Havana. I think that that would be an interesting – you know, I'm just bouncing like some interesting things out there. You know, not necessarily uh, a definite thing, but, uh, you know, not necessarily guys that will even get interviews. I just, it's, there's like, these are like the guys that like uh, one or two things about them kind of seem like uh, at least a little bit intriguing. Um, Another one is the, um, uh, I don't even know what the the pronunciation of his last name, but... uh, Pedro uh, Griffel, uh, Griffel, Griffel. I, I'm not entirely sure, but he's uh, Kansas City's bench coach, and I know that that's not exactly, uh, you know, necessarily a good qualification with uh, Matheny being there and whatever. But uh, he was with uh, Bochi in San Francisco, so um, there's at least something there, you know, <clears throat> some co- some kind of interesting thing, you know, where he's in a a winning atmosphere around a a good manager. Uh, pick right, up some kind things. of draw on that experience and, yeah. and uh, learned from those guys, but also not be so set in your ways that, uh, you know, the things you did learn from those guys are going to, you know, keep you behind the curve. So, I, you know, again, uh, <clears throat> in the case of Tony LaRusa, I would say. I lost your audio. Wait. Are we here? Yeah, I hear you now. Okay. No, I was just going to say, you know, these younger guys that uh, are, you know, have worked with managers with storied histories, let's say, you know, Bochy types, uh, you know, um, I was saying, I, you know, in the case of Tony LaRusa, I don't want you necessarily influencing the decision-making abilities of my no. next manager because no. – Again, it, you know, maybe Tony LaRusso might have been the guy to learn ten years had he not left the dugout. Uh not so much the case. So yeah, when you're talking about some of these things from Bruce Bochy and being part of a winning culture, you know, fine. But you're also not so old set in you can't put your own flavor and spin on on the team and you kind of be a little date in the changes in the game. You know what I mean? So, again, uh, I'm not against hires like those. And like you said, who knows if the interviews at this point. Yeah. But definitely some interesting names out there. None. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, interesting, I don't necessarily – I like for for the White Sox, I don't like the hire. Uh, if this was if this was the hire, I would be – I would be upset. But one thing I found interesting, and he, apparently he interviewed really, really well uh, for the Marlins job, was Mark DeRosa of the MLB Network. Yeah, who's also uh, going to be managing international baseball team. Which team? The uh, Oh, I'm sorry. The uh, What is that? The, the baseball classic team, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Mark DeRosa will be managing that. It's, isn't that what came out just recently? I don't know. I'm not entirely. Pos- I'm not entirely sure. I guess I should. But uh, you know, Mark DeRosa, 
the player when he left baseball. Didn't he go pretty much right to the broadcast booth? Yeah. I mean, he's a smart guy. His analysis analysis is good. Um, I love watching him go on rants because he really can't. Now, there are times when I... Because he'll, you know, he might waffle a little bit and some of his ideas at times, but part he's uh he's definitely the kind of guy that brings a lot of energy i'll say that well he's also you know again for the white Sox, i don't think he's the right thing because if you remember when ta did his bat flip him and al lighter those guys those two guys were both <laughs> you know very the rosa was on his soapbox for a minute yeah i know yeah for for, <laughs> for like a week he was uh, he was not thrilled about that. I, I just I, I found it kind of interesting that uh, you know it was mentioned that maybe he might possibly be the guy who takes over for Mattingly in Florida. Which I mean I don't. Kim Eng seems like she's uh, got a good head on her shoulders. It seems like that would be kind of a risky you know a risky hire unless she's a bit she of a was, forward thinker though. So I don't know possible, but you unless know, you're talking yeah. about her first female GM in baseball, yeah. and it literally just happened this past off season that she was, you know, given that job. I don't know that you want to put your head on a platter like that and say, okay, I'm going to serve it up here. Let's see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. But the conventional thinking, you know, nobody else would do it, you know, because they might be afraid that, uh, you know, she's certain that he's the guy and she really likes where he's at. I would, I would not be surprised if that's the decision that she made, you know? Um, no, not at all. She's, you know, she's, she's, uh, what do they call that? A trailblazer. Yeah. Uh, 100%. So, you know, former she's White been Sox known front for, office employee. Yeah. She's, uh, she's been known to, uh, you know, ruffle some feathers and shake things up. And, uh, it's paid off for her. So who knows? Maybe we'll, uh, we'll see more, uh, interesting things happening down there in Florida. Grimtall says, how about Gordon Beckham? He's a great analyst. <laughs> sure. Hashtag LOL. Game interviews. <laughs> Hashtag LOL. Wow. Uh, well, at least we know that our uh, that our manager would have the best hair. So there's that. <laughs> um, Post-game now, interviews would be uh, snoozers, to say wor- the They'd least. be wordy, that's for sure. Uh, one guy that uh, you and I have talked about, uh, in our mutual enjoyment of this gentleman is uh, Ron Washington. Yes, thank you. I've been now, waiting for this moment. I, yeah, I know. I, I was, I was, I was, oh, I was, I've been baiting you, you know, for for an hour and a half now. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to leave it go for a while. Yeah, I wanted to leave it. Go. So <laughs> clearly, the White Sox have no problem hiring a manager with. Uh, Prior substance abuse problems. (laughs) Um, And, you know, forgive him for his past transgressions. Um, But I will say this. The man is a hell of a coach. And he took the Rangers. Quite possibly the best infielder coach to ever be. 100%. Yeah. And the the work that, you know, like the, the drills that he runs his infield through. I run my kid through all the time, you know, because the fundamental work to improve the infield is 100% needed with this team. And he is the kind of guy that is going to work with the infield 
and improve them. After well, I got to tell you right now, uh, you know, just this past uh, All Star break, you know, Ron Washington was part of the coaching staff. Obviously, uh, you know, one of the uh, World Series teams, and you know, those guys uh, coaching the uh, the All Star teams, and there were multiple players at the All Star game that had the opportunity to spend just a day or two or three with Ron Washington. And many players came out and said in those, in that short period of time, he was out there doing drills with these guys that weren't even players on his, his actual baseball team. And he was given accolades on, you know, that in that short period of time, all the things that these guys had learned just, you know, from being around him for that short period of time. Now, you know, you can say, oh, he's seven years old and we're going from, an, you know, a 78-year-old, 70. It's a pretty spry 70-year-old number. Yeah, he still takes, he still does all the infield drills with all the infielders. It's a it's a completely, you know, you know there there are differences between one person at, at a certain age and another person at a certain age. And, you know, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's 100% possible that there could be health issues again. But one thing that I am certainly more confident in is that when I see him take over a club, I would see fundamental progress and fundamental improvement. You know, I, I think that that's you know, and let's huge. not let's not dispel his managerial record. You know, as an actual manager with time with national, well, either he's got, I think it's like a 520, you know, winning percentage, which, you know, for a manager is is not half bad. And not all of his years have best team top players around. Uh, Did he have some? Sure. But were they juggernauts for the most of the time he was there? No. No, but the fundamental baseball that those guys played and the TWTW. Mm, yes. Mm, the TWTW. Where's Hawk? Can I get a Hawk up there? Well, I'll get a Hawk up there for you. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the there was a winning culture instilled in that ball club. Even when the roster wasn't constructed. There he is. Thank you. Get a bunch of Hawks in there for me. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it just seemed like even when the, when the roster wasn't constructed, a you know, if you were a, a Nats fan, you know, you weren't necessarily thrilled. Maybe you know some of the ways some of those seasons went. There were a handful of seasons there where he had some pretty good lineups, but all in all, there was uh, just a feel of playing baseball the way it was meant to be played when Ron Washington was a manager of the Nationals. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. So I'm sure, you know, you have been baiting me to bring this up. I'm sure you've got plenty to say about it. I'm sorry that I stepped on you there. So please, I'd like for you to go ahead and continue because, uh, you know, I, I hate to sound like you and I share a... But... Uh... I lost there. I lost <laughs> you there. What was that? I was saying, you know, I don't always want it to come off like you and I share a mind. 
when we uh, when we do these things. But we do often agree on a lot of things, and this is one of those ones that we agree on. And I really just want to get your take on that whole situation and how you would feel one hundred percent and why you feel. All right, so if the White Sox brought Warren Washington in. So here's a here's the thing, right? Um, so he's the third base coach for the for the Braves. Um, now because he well, is they've older, been pretty good recently. Yeah, no, yeah, no, and the infield's great too. <laughs> but so between what he's done for Dansby Swanson and for Ozzy Albies with their fielding has been fantastic, remarkable. Um, <laughs> but the thing that I see here is is that yes, he is a little bit older. Um, upgrade from third base coach to bench coach or not? What do you mean? I, uh, is it? Do you think it's it's an upgrade for like a, a position? To go from third baseball coach to bench coach? Yeah. Uh, I guess it depends on the organization. Yeah, probably a little bit of an upgrade, I would say. Although in the case of Ron Washington being part of the Braves organization, won a World Series after maybe not having the best you know record going in last season, uh, and now they're doing some really fantastic things again this year, I would almost say that the title really doesn't matter in his case. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of history there that kind of shows matter, and like you said, uh, the effects of him being part of the organization are showing uh, specifically in the uh, in the infield. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, yeah. Would, would would it be an upgrade to to be promoted to bench coach? Yeah, I guess. But uh, you know, I, in my opinion, I guess I think it's just a title. You know, when it comes to Ron Washington, obviously. Yeah, I is mean, he going to get paid more for having that title? I don't- Maybe. Can't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things. I don't know. You know, it's uh, I I could see how maybe they might possibly want to have somebody that's more analytically uh, driven as the manager of the club because Ron Washington's not that. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't that he wouldn't pay attention to analytics at all, but I don't know for a fact, and he hasn't been a manager for for a while now. Granted, he's been. Oh, in so the what di- you're saying is. Sox brought him on not as a manager, as the bench coach. Yeah, I mean, instead. I'm just—it's just a question, you know. I mean, it's kind of one of those things, you know. You, if he's making, you know, a million dollars with the Braves, and you say, "Hey, we'll pay two million dollars to come over here and be the bench coach for," uh, I don't know, you know, Quattro or somebody, you know. Um. Just a just a question, you know. I mean, I think that that would be. Uh, I see no reason why the Sox couldn't lure him away. Figure out who their main guy is and who's going to get the job, and then give him the keys to the car to say to a Ron Washington. Okay, well, you make one point two million dollars with the Braves. I'll pay you two point. I'll double your salary to come here and be my bench coach. Like I, I, you know, at this point you are at a point in the quote unquote rebuild where the training wheels are supposed to be off and you're supposed to be competing every single year. 
You know, if you don't want to spend thirty million dollars on, you know, on Bryce Harper, okay, you're not going to spend thirty million dollars on Bryce Harper. But one thing that they've shown that they will do is pay thirty guys two and a half million dollars, and have absolutely no problem with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so why not? Why not it be a bench coach? Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, I feel you. I feel you. But at the same time, I feel like if let's just say obvious. Uh What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, all right. Let's just say for, you know, poops and giggles here that, uh, you know, you or I were up for the the hiring process for manager. You're going through this interview process. Would it be something that a manager would – I know I would want it to be this way, but don't you think a manager would want to choose his own? staff that he well wants yeah 100 percent. but i'm saying that but if, you know, if you talk to like the guy does have a, a lot of uh accolades and history around him and respect around the game so if i maybe if i told you hey we're gonna hire you but we want to steal ron washington away and be your bench coach are you gonna argue that's what i'm saying i probably is- i probably wouldn't but at the same time you don't know what these other coaches are no, hundred percent. But if 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 they said, "Hey, you know, we want to offer you the job," um, one thing that we would like you to consider very much is, you know, we will give you the financial means necessary to, you know, offer, you know, Ron Washington some some serious coin to come here, and we think that he would be you know, really beneficial to your managerial tenure. You know, I, I don't see why they would say no, but I mean, you know, who knows again, you know, I can't well, say I for, imagine, for I mean, sure. You know, there are guys with any organization. I think right now would be thrilled to have, you know, you look at uh, the Duncan family uh, being a part of the White Sox what would you say that it is that you do here, Shelley? That Duncan family? Yeah, that Duncan family. Not the, not the <laughs> not the Duncan family from the uh the Hogan TV show from the 80s. No, 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 no. Different Duncans. No, no. Right, right. No. Yeah, but you know, uh they have they know who Ron Washington is. They have some experience with him, you know, years ago. Uh, I I would think that you know those guys would probably be thrilled to have him as part of the organization. I don't see anybody in the organization shouldn't be thrilled about having him in there. But again, you know the big knock among Sox fans is, well, he's a cokehead. You know, uh, when, how first of all, how long ago was this? You think he's two thousand nine? Right, he's seventy now. You think he's doing gaggers in the clubhouse? Although you know, like, he, like we said, he does seem a little spry. He's got a lot <laughs> of energy. So I don't know, man. Yeah, uh, no, it's, I you know, one, I'm just a fan of of what he's been able to do with a lot of these teams defensively. He's been. I mean, we go back to you know everybody's seen, or at least most of us, I, I would think everybody at this point has seen money, and uh, you know what he did for that uh, whole Billy Bean thing in real life. Let alone what you saw in the movie. Yeah, there's uh, you got to be guy. pretty familiar with uh, with his his work. 
Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, there's another guy. Let me find him here right quick. I can't remember. Um, guy with the Orioles. Um, I think he's the first base coach. Uh, also, he's one of these uh, gurus of fielding that might be worth taking a you know a look at for you know some sort of a. I'm gonna hit the bullet points of this article from 2011. And uh, we won't do that right at this moment, but uh, so uh, yeah, just uh, we'll who, who it was? It was uh, it was Bobby Dickerson. He's the he's with the Phillies now, uh, but he was the Orioles uh, f- Orioles uh, infield coach. Also, okay, another one of those guys that's absolutely fantastic as far as uh, fundamental stuff goes. He might be another guy to uh, you know that you hope that you see you know, show up with whoever ends up being the managerial hire. But uh, yeah, I just want accountability. I want somebody analytics driven and I want a real process, you know, it, at the, at the very least, you know, uh, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, that uh, I'll be disappointed with whoever gets hired. Um, but there, I don't. I don't want it to be one of those things where it's, you know, we heard Bruce Bochy in that first Bob Nightingale tweet. I, I that's and like, then he's the first guy. That, you know, yeah. There's just oh, we interviewed four or five guys. But Bochy's Bochy's our guy. Yeah, exactly. That's it, that's what I'm afraid of. It just feels scripted at this point. You know. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm with you 100. percent Do you have any more names you want? I have or? one more, and. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, I found a list of guys that aren't necessarily there yet. And I'm not saying that this is who I want hired even remotely. <laughs> uh, I just found it very, uh, it's, it's a white, it's a, it's a white Sox ties guy. And, um, also has, uh, ties to Mike Sosha as well. Because he was the bench coach for the Angels under Mike Sosha, he is he is currently the quality control guy for the Tigers, and that is one Josh Paul. Whoa, there's a yeah. name I haven't heard. In a while. I did not know. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, apparently um, you know he's one of those guys that's on those lists of the uh, the uh, rising you know managerial candidates type thing. Okay. I mean, you know whether not that to be confused with Donnie Paul. Not Don Paul, but Josh Paul. <laughs> Josh Paul, right. All right, anywho, so uh, your article. Yeah, well, I you know, I bring this up because uh, I actually was kind of scouring the internet for things I might have forgotten about Tony LaRusa's tenure with the White Sox and kind of, you know, some of the atrocious uh, in-game decision-making, you know, he made over the last couple of years, and everything I found was pretty much the things we've been talking about. You know, uh, you know, walking guys with one and two counts, and you know, leaving pitchers in to die, and you know, just uh, the ridiculous interviews that you know, gaffs talking, and I really didn't find anything that we you know haven't already beaten to death. But I did come across an article written 
Uh, like I said, this was on Bleacher Report, uh, written by a guy with a great name. I don't know if this is a real name or a pen name or what, but the guy's name is Lake Cruz. Oh, look at that. Yeah, Lake Cruz. And this I was, was expecting it to be Patrick Flowers, but it's not. No, no. Unfortunately, <laughs> Patrick family 2011, as we all know. But, uh, yeah, so basically this is uh, Tony LaRusso's 10 most shocking moments. Over the course of his uh, Cardinals tenure. And uh, <laughs> according to this article, they're really not all that shocking. We stuck career. Uh, and I find if prelude where he goes on to this list says, maybe unreported health problems are to blame. Tony LaRusso reportedly had shingles this season and been looking paler since last year. Now, this is 2011, mind you. Uh, it says, I hope he's all right, but privacy is touchy thing. For public figure. His health could be the reason for the Cardinals continue to fold late in campaigns. Now for the stands, everybody wanted to talk about, he's a hall of fame manager and things he did with the Cardinals, but his last few years of the Cardinals were pretty bad. Right. Other than this world uh, series. Yeah. <laughs> right. He, uh, you know, he was folding. They, you know, they had a couple of, years where they were in first place at the all-star break in their division and then fell with playoffs. So, you know, uh, not, uh, not the greatest, you know, he's not perfect. Like people want to remember him for some reason. Um, but in 2011, the number 10 most outrageous moment was a rant at the reporters where Tony, uh, kind of went off. It was in the first week of the season, and reporters were asking about the lack of offensive, you know, production from the team. And he said, you know, the the reporter said, "Wait, did he just say Colby Rasmus was going to hit well this season?" Why, yes. Did I mention it was the first week? Uh, now Colby Rasmus had some issues. Prior to this, with the uh, Cardinals, if you remember, there was a whole between him and Tony later in this thing. I don't remember. That's a long time yeah. ago. Well, I'll I'll get there. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about it a little. Uh, Tony Larusa. We did not see any of this during uh, tenure with the White Sox, but Tony Larusa kind of threw the fans of St. Louis and. Joe Garagiola, his Joe Garagiola's son, uh, Tony Larusa. I mentioned this in a Facebook uh, post of just in the last couple of days or so that I remember Tony Minor for the better part of his career. And one of these things that uh, comes up about throwing Joe Garagiola under the bus was. He claims that in 2011, the Brewers were cheating at home with their lighting systems Ooh. inside Miller Park before it was, what is it, the family, whatever it is now. But uh, the man who looked over this complaint about this cheating claim that uh, TLR made was, in fact, Joe Graziola Jr. And his father was a native son of St. Louis. So St. Louis take that very well. Uh, Joe Graziola in the past senior 
said that he was not down with baseball, with steroids, baseball bonanza, and had, you know, was wondering uh, what Tony La Russa was thinking about hiring Mike Mc- Mark McGuire as his hitting coach. We forget that. Tony, we don't want to bring in a cheater in uh, a manager that is now managing the Detroit Tigers. But uh, we're going to hire a manager who hired a steroids user who sat in front of a grand jury. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Now, Tony, let's get on to the Colby Rasmus. Tony LaRusso blamed Colby Rasmus's poor hitting because it continued to go later on in that season, which is why they were saying, oh, Tony LaRusso, just like, uh, let's let's compare the Colby Rasmus thing to a Leary Garcia thing. In the first week of the season, he told the whole world that Colby Rasmus was going to hit. And everybody went, wait a minute, what? Just like he'd been trying to force feed Leori Garcia on us. Now, this is 2011, but now when you fast forward to 2022, 11 years later, he's force feed uh, Leori Garcia. And it just turns out that Kobe Rasmus never really. But he played almost more games than anybody else on the team. Sounds familiar. Sound familiar? It does. Uh. Yeah, so there's that. Yeah, so things haven't changed a whole lot. There's, oh, there's a couple about uh, McGuire we won't get into, but kind of know the idea that Mark McGuire was obviously yeah. a steroid user. Uh, La Russa helped the Red Sox break the curse of the Bambino in 2006 by completely falling apart and being swept by the Red Sox. That's true. In that uh, postseason, uh, Tony La Russa, number five. Tony La Russa called fans in St. Louis idiots <laughs> during an interview. Yeah. Again, I'm just paraphrasing here. I'm not going to go. I'm, and I'm just time here. Uh, late season collapse syndrome. He apparently was known for that quite a few years, besides from the two. Uh, World Series championship years, but uh, he was he was asked what happened between the first and second half of two or three seasons where that kind of happened with place, and he said the lights in Milwaukee and the sunshine in Chicago. That's his answer. What happened? The lights in Milwaukee and the sunshine in Chicago. And the reporter said, "Huh?" And Larissa said, "We haven't been lighting it up, and I don't know why." Reporter, do you blame Joe Garagiola for the idiot reporters? Not reporters, you idiot fans, I mean. You know what I mean. Does any fan at home think this is fair? I'm out of here. I need to go light one. <laughs> this is, these are actual quotes. These are actual uh, quotes. So I just found some of this stuff funny. Uh, you know, then they bring up the DUI in Florida and a few. But those were just the funny things that I thought and the things that kind of reminded me a little of uh, White Sox uh, and his uh, indiscretions over the last couple seasons with White Sox. There were some very uh, similar feels in that Yeah, those article. are and like, I, You know uh, what? I'll tell you what. I will. Maybe we can post it on, uh, on uh, 
the Twitter page if people want to check it out and read it themselves. Or I'll throw it up on uh, my socials. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's those, are, those are like the kind of things that nobody thinks about and nobody remembers really, you know, like those last, that last little bit, you know, I know that Cardinals Yeah, fans I just do. happened it's to like, stumble on this thing. Yeah, it's like and, uh, people talk to their friends who are Cardinals fans, and they'll say, oh, yeah, no, like the last couple of years were terrible. And, like, it's not anything that, you know, of course, he won the World Series in his last year down there. But it's like those are these are, like, the kind of things that White Sox fans don't think about. But then again, we don't want to th- we didn't want to think about them and we didn't want them hired in the first place. So there's that of course as well. There is that. <clears throat> so we've got uh two more games left in the season for the White Sox, two more games here against the uh Minnesota Ball Club and we'll see what they can manage to pull off here and see if they can't get back to 500 or uh we'll see what happens. Hopefully they can manage to get over 500, but, you know, choosers can't be beggars. So uh, we'll see. Choosers can't be beggars. That's right. So um, at Daily White Sox on the Twitter, whitesoxdaily.substack.com. New article today uh, kind of outlining some of the – managerial choices that uh candidates that are coming out by uh white Sox daily's logan hard who just got uh just put that up earlier today uh as soon as the uh retirement was made official um got uh pace on uh pace got a page on facebook that you can take a look at as well um white Sox daily on facebook and um every week here Monday nights, 9 p.m., White Sox Daily Live, twitch.tv slash White Sox Daily. Thanks for coming and hanging out in the chat. Thanks for uh, tell, you know, enjoying uh, making fun of uh, the silliness that this season has been. And uh, thanks to everybody that's uh, followed us on Twitter this year, come into the chat and talked, uh, watched the stream, listened to the podcast. Thank you all. Uh, you've made this season more bearable because uh, it has certainly made everybody want to beat their head against a cinder block wall. So we appreciate all that. <laughs> my name is Ian Indeed. For my co-host, the Danny Miller, you guys have a great night, and we will catch you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks.